So this summer we have been looking through the Apostles' Creed. The statement of faith that's found in your bulletin there that comes from the early church. It's a way to express what it is that we believe as a church. It doesn't tell us everything that we believe. It's not a complete summary, but it can serve as a useful guide for reading. And that's one of the ways we've talked about it as a faithful guide for reading. As we read the scripture, the creed can help us kind of stay within bounds and say, this is what we believe and this is what we don't believe. Help us to read rightly and also to help us from reading incorrectly. The creed also serves as a great way to remind us that we are tied together with a larger church. That when we confess our faith, there are churches all around the world that say, use those same words. This is a reminder that we're united with all of them. And as we've gone through the creed, there have been some phrases that make perfect sense to us. They're easy to follow, easy to understand. And then there's others that are a little bit confusing. We're not sure exactly what those are. And so as you read through that, you can go back and on our website, you can go back and listen to past sermons and address some of those but as we think about today's line, and as I was thinking about the words that we'll be looking at today, I believe in the forgiveness of sins. It's one of those things I think that depending on the day, and depending maybe on which side of the issue you're on, can raise up different emotions inside of us. And so I want us to think about what those are and think about how that works together. Because in the context of, as Rhonda shared it, as we think about being forgiven by God, that feels pretty good sometimes. And then we think about the idea of forgiving others. That doesn't always feel so good. Maybe it feels a little bit difficult. So we're going to take a look at this and then over the next couple of weeks finish up this series. And then in the, as the fall comes in, we'll be starting a new series uh, looking at Paul's letter to the Romans. But when we talk about forgiveness of sins, what are we talking about? First of all, I guess we can define the word sin. It's one of those words we use in church a lot. But what exactly do we mean by it? On the one hand, we can think of sin simply as breaking a set of laws. We can think of God has a moral code, a moral law. And so when we sin, we break those. But I think it's something deeper than that. We can describe sin in some sense as a way of choosing our way over God's way. Or we think back to the beginning. There were Adam and Eve placed in the garden. And they were told one simple command not to eat from this particular tree. And when they sinned against God, what they were doing was they were failing in the calling that they were be, had been given. They had been called to rule and to reign in God's place and to live over those things. But instead, they chose to try and usurp God, to try and choose his thing and let the serpent speak to them. And so sin is something deeper than that. It's a failure in our vocation, a failure in our calling as well as the thing. And what's forgiveness? When we say we are forgiven or we forgive someone, at its heart for, to forgive someone, first of all, is to name the wrong and to say what it is. You say, well, I forgive this. You're naming and expressing that something wrong was done. Forgiving isn't saying, oh, it's no big deal. It didn't really. No, to forgive someone is to say, no, this was truly something that was wrong and that was hurtful. And then to forgive is to treat someone as if it didn't happen. And so that's what we're talking about in forgiving. So we read from Psalm 51. And Psalm 51 is a psalm of David, a, a prayer of confession. And it comes in the context of a story that's told earlier in the Bible. And David is the king over all of Israel. And his army is off fighting. And while he's up there, he sees a woman who's bathing. And this woman named Bathsheba. And he calls to her and he takes her and he abuses her. 
And then he ends up killing her husband to cover up his sin against her and against his people. And then his prophet Nathan comes and tells him a story and helps David see that what he has done is wrong. And then David expresses these words in Psalm 51, this confession. He says, have mercy on me, God, according to your unfailing love. He's looking to God and God's character. He's admitting that what he says, wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions. He's saying that I have done wrong. And then he speaks of God's forgiveness of him. That the way God is forgiving, that he creates a pure heart and he renews his steadfast spirit. And he doesn't cast him out of his presence and there's that line there, do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Because we recognize in part that forgiveness has a relational component to it. When we forgive someone, it's also about maintaining or renewing or restoring relationship with someone. It's not all of it. I can forgive someone, but there's still a process of reconciliation. But when we forgive, it's a relational term. It's, and that's why I said sometimes when some when you hurt someone and they're like, oh, it's not a big deal. No, it, there is a big deal. There's something that's gone on and that's why forgiveness is so important. And as we think of God being forgiving, I think there's two kind of extreme pictures of that. One, we can think of God as kind of Santa Claus or a grandparent. It's like, oh, you know, like a God who just lets everything go. And I know some of you are grandparents out there. Not all of you follow that model of grandparenting, but I know in, in grandparenting world, there's that kind of model of, yeah. I'm the grandparent. My job is to spoil the children. And I can let them run and do every whatever they want and then send them back to mom and dad. And sometimes we think of God like that. Way. He's this doting grandparent who just kind of, well, whatever, don't worry about it. No big deal. Yeah, it's all okay. On the other hand, we can think of God as this harsh judge who's just watching up there. Looking down. Waiting for us. And as soon as we mess up, ow, stomps on us, you know, squishes us down, smacks us down. But when we think of God as the forgiving God, we're thinking about a God who loves and chooses to forgive. A God who names those sins, who doesn't let those go, but instead chooses to forgive and forgives through Jesus. And so when we talk of forgiveness of sins, this part in the creed where we say we believe in the forgiveness of sins. Part of what we're talking about is that we are forgiven in Jesus. That we have sinned against God. In the old book of common prayer, and you hear me use those words sometimes, I've sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By the things I have done and the things I have left undone. By the things I have said and I have things I have left unsaid. Not loved you with my whole heart and I have not loved my neighbor as myself. And so there's this picture of our sins against God consist not only of the things we do, but the things we fail to do. And when we confess in the Apostles' Creed the forgiveness of sins, what we're saying is that in Jesus we are forgiven. Jesus talks about this several different places. In Matthew chapter 26 at the Last Supper, he said, This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Or Peter in Acts chapter 10 says all the prophet or Paul, all the prophets testify about him that everything who believes, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Or Paul writing in Colossians 1, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And so there's all these word pictures of forgiveness. 
redemption is this picture of buying back. There's the imagery of being washed clean. But what it is at the heart of the story is that we're forgiven in Jesus. That through Jesus' life, death, and his resurrection, we're forgiven. That the things that we do, and in my reading on the Apostles' Creed, one of the things, one of the authors talked about the history of the creed. And that this phrase, the forgiveness of sins, came in a little bit later. Not much later, but a little bit later because of what was going on in the early church. In the early church, around two, 300, there was persecution going on. And this persecution looked like oftentimes people being dragged before the magistrates, before the government, and being asked to choose, do you worship God? Do you worship this Jesus or do you worship Caesar, the emperor? Maybe asked to offer a sacrifice to the idol, do whatever it is. And in some cases, people were dragged before and out of fear, out of concern. Maybe they chose to worship the idol. Maybe they offered the sacrifice. And the question then was, if they did that, but then wanted to come back into the church, could we let them back in? And what they were reminded of was this picture of God who wipes away all sins, that at the center of the faith is this forgiveness. Didn't mean there wasn't discipline, didn't mean there wasn't reconciliation, didn't mean there needed to be change in the person's heart. But at the core of it was to say, we are a community founded on this idea that in Jesus Christ we are forgiven. That Jesus' death, in Jesus' death, God forgives us of sins. So do we have any right to say someone's not forgiven? Do we have any reason to say that someone can't be forgiven of their sin? And so when we include this phrase in the Apostles' Creed, we believe in the forgiveness of sins, in part what we're saying is, whatever you've done, whatever you've said, whatever you've left unsaid, all those things can be forgiven in Jesus. And if we were to just stop there, I mean, that feels good, doesn't it? To know that the things we have done, okay, I'll speak for myself here. I know there are things I've done that I feel guilt for, I feel shame for, and I'm not certain about it, but there's this incredible joy, there's a relief, there's a peace, there's a wonder, there's a joy in knowing that in Jesus Christ, I am forgiven. So it's easy for me to read through the creed and say, I believe in the forgiveness of sins because there's this sense of peace that washes over us. And we sang that hymn earlier today, it is well with my soul. Where he says, my sin, not in part, but the whole. In other words, when we're forgiven, it's not just a little bit of it. Well, God doesn't look down and say, well, I forgive you for this, but that over there, eh, no, not so much that. But instead, God has forgiven. He says, nailed at the cross. And then he goes on, the, the writer of the song says, you know, it is well. And so when we come to this confession, I believe in the forgiveness of sins, I can confess that easily because I feel that, that sense of peace. And, and it's that great feeling, and maybe you've experienced it, the feeling of wellness, the feeling of goodness when we realize that in Christ we are forgiven. But then comes the harder part. Jesus 
in Matthew chapter 6, teaching his disciples how to pray. It says, and forgive us our debts or forgive us our sins as we have also forgiven our debtors. Or in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus is in a conversation with his, one of his, some of his disciples. And one of his followers says to him, Jesus, how many times do I have to forgive my brother? And we all have known that experience. And maybe somebody's heard us and we're like, okay, I forgive him. And then they do it again. We're like, I forgive And then you start to think, how many times am I going to have to do this? And Jesus says, they tell you not seven times, but 77 times. In other words, there's no limit to it. And this is the part where it's harder. The idea of the call to forgive other people. Because when somebody's hurt us, we want to see them punished. We want to get our right to, and sometimes we want to do the punishing. We want to get back. But in the creed, as we're reading along, the lines just before this, I believe in the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, we've just confessed this. And last week we talked about this, the communion of saints, is we realize when we look at church, which is the communion of saints, that the saints aren't always saints, are they? I mean, saints, they've been declared holy by God. But sometimes we don't behave that way. And sometimes the people that can hurt us most are the people within the church. And so to confess the forgiveness of sins is not just about my sins, but forgiving others. So how do we confess that? How do we say, we believe, I believe in the forgiveness of sins? Because if we're on the receiving end of forgiveness, I like that part. I mean, I like when I mess up. I like when I do something wrong, when I, when I speak out of turn, when I lose my temper, when I, I do whatever it is and somebody says, well, I forgive you. But when we turn it around and someone else has lied to us, they've hurt us, they've, they've gossiped about us, or they've done even worse to us, and then we hear the words, well, forgive them. <sighs> gets a little harder, doesn't it? But if we say these words, if we're going to confess this faith of I believe in the forgiveness of sins, it's a call to forgive. So Paul in his letter to the Colossians later on, he says, bear with each other and forgive one another if any one of you has a grievance against someone. Would you hear these words? And forgive one another if you, any one of you has a grievance against someone. Not if it's just a little thing, but any one of you. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. So how do we do that? How do we forgive? What does it mean to forgive? Well, that's the reminder that we forgive. And it starts with that first thing we talked about, that we are forgiven by God. And so through the power of God's forgiveness in Christ in us, we can forgive because we believe in the forgiveness of sins. You know, that's what allows me, what empowers me, what helps me to forgive someone else is to know that I am forgiven. To know that whatever they have done to me, that God has forgiven me of whatever I've done. And so as we receive that forgiveness, as we recognize the depths of our forgiveness, it empowers us to be able to forgive others. But one of the things that also happens as we confess this, this forgiveness of sins is it forms our community. And this is the important thing. It shapes who we are 
Because when we as a church say we believe in the forgiveness of sins, one of the things we're saying in that is we all sin. In other words, this is a community filled with people who are sinners, including the pastor. That we're all this community. And it reminds us that we need God and His grace. Because there is a temptation within the church, particularly within the church, to pretend and try and look good. To try and put on the mask. Remember a book I read quite a few years ago and the author described this picture of church and he described it as people wearing masks. And he described it as the church of fine. And what he meant by that was picturing people coming into the church and everyone walking up and saying, how you doing? Fine. How you doing? Oh, good. I'm fine. Oh, I'm fine. Because that's the picture that we often want to put on when we come to church. Because there is that tension, isn't there? When we talk about being a communion of saints, we talk about it's like, if I'm following Jesus, aren't I supposed to be getting better? Aren't I supposed to be sinning less? Yes, we are. But we also are acknowledging that we're sinners. And so there can be a tempt temptation to simply pretend and try and look good when it comes to church. Because we don't want to, often don't want to admit that we have those faults. And what the confession, the profession of faith that says, I believe in the forgiveness of sins is reminding us that we all need grace. And that we all need to be opened up to God's work. And it's a constant reminder of that. It opens it up to trans transformation. And that's what David does in this psalm. Where he comes before God I'm going to read this again. Have mercy on me, God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. It's this picture of this ability to say, it's before me because as my pastor growing up used to say, when we come to God and we confess our sins... We're not telling God something he doesn't already know. I mean, sometimes we do that with our parents. There's kind of that game we play with our parents where the parents walk in and there's the, the broken window, right? Well, they know somebody in the house broke the window. And so when finally, especially now imagine you're at home alone and they come home and there's a broken window. And they come in this... And you come to your parents and you finally work up that courage and say, oh, I, I broke the window. Well, the parents already know that, don't they? It's even more so true with God that when I go to confess my sins before God, it's not a surprise. I don't come to God and say, well, God, I confess this that I did last week. God says, really? I didn't know that. Thanks for telling me. But what are we doing? We're laying ourselves open because we recognize the forgiveness of sins. And it's also saying that we need His power to transform us. And that's when we come each week as we look at this wave. We're growing more to look like Jesus. To grow to look more like Jesus, we have to open ourselves up to God. 
And so to confess the forgiveness of sins is one of the ways we as a community open ourselves up to God's power and God's work and God's grace. It reminds us constantly that we need God's grace to change and transform us. So we profess, the conf- we, profess we confess in the creed the forgiveness of sins. It's a reminder that we are forgiven in Jesus. It's a reminder of His cleansing power and His forgiveness. It's also a reminder of our call to forgive others, the challenge that it is, but it's also something we're called to preach. And so when Jesus is sharing with his followers in Luke chapter 24, he's sharing about the story, he says, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be reached, preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And so that's one of the ways that it's also often described is we're called to preach the forgiveness of sins to all the nations. Now here's my question. As we think about that. So we're thinking about our sins being forgiven. We're thinking about forgiving the sins of others. And then we're thinking about preaching the forgiveness of sins as one of the ways of speaking about God and his saving work in the world. So what do you think the best way to preach forgiveness of sins to the nation is? Well, one approach would certainly be to point out everybody else's sins, right? I mean, if you're going to preach forgiveness of sins, why don't we start with pointing out how bad everybody is, right? How many people think that works well? Come on. You mean going up to somebody and telling somebody how awful they are? And that they're a sinner? Isn't a way to drive them to the love of God? But what I want notice is as we read... Our Bible, so in Acts chapter 2, God pours out the Holy Spirit and Peter's speaking and he talks about the story of Jesus. And he talks about how he was crucified. And, but it, and then, the people heard this. This is Acts chapter 2, verse 37. So at this point, all Peter has done is talked about how God came, how Jesus came in the way that he was nailed to a cross and how God raised him from the dead. And then the people heard this and they said, what do we do? So as I think about the story of Jesus, when we say preach the forgiveness of sins, the starting place not, might not be to tell everybody about all of their sins the starting place instead might be to tell the story of Jesus. To tell about how God made a good and beautiful world. Might be to talk in general terms about how we tend to try and run things our own way, but God is making the world right again through Jesus. So we come in the creed and we confess this that I believe in the forgiveness of sins. So we believe three things when we say that. First of all, we believe that we are forgiven in Jesus. That we believe whatever it is we've done in our past, whether it was 20 years ago or 20 minutes ago, that through Jesus' death and resurrection, we find forgiveness. And by that, we find that we are cleansed 
that we are redeemed, that we are restored back into right relationship with God, that forgiveness is not simply a writing off. It's not simply God saying, oh, no big deal, don't worry about it. But instead being cleansed of that sin, being cleansed and broken of the power of that sin and being invited back into relationship with God. So we believe that, that that's what God has done and that's what God continues to do. And that it's not simply something that God did last week, but that next week, when we miss the mark again, when we fall short, when we sin again, God offers up his forgiveness still then. But we also confess when we talk about the forgiveness of sins that we're called to forgive others. That because of that forgiveness we've received in Jesus and through Jesus, that that love that God has, that we're called to forgive others. And that God empowers us to do it. We realize it's hard work. It's not an easy thing to do, but it's something we're called to do. And finally, we're called to invite others to receive the same. That it's not enough to simply sit here as a group of people and say, I've been forgiven. Thank God. And I forgive you too. But to realize that there is a world of people in need of that same story. That there is a world of people who need to hear that. And one of Jesus' calls is to preach repentance and forgiveness to the nations. In other words, to the whole world. And so we're called to share that same good news. That in Jesus there is forgiveness by telling the story of Jesus and his incredible love for us. So when we say we believe in the forgiveness of sins, that's what we confess. That's what we believe. And in my mind, that's some good news. Amen.